Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. My name is John Pronich and I am your host. On today's episode, I have Jacques Pelham. That name might not ring a bell to you, but to me, it's actually pretty special. Uh, Jacques is the reason why I started this 343 Podcast. Jacques had a podcast of his own and a blog of his own, and his work, along with Gary's work at 343, those were some of the first things that I started reading and I was listening to when I was kind of discovering my own coaching philosophy and kind of getting a foothold in the blogging atmosphere, I guess you could say. I used to have a small little blog of my own that uh, was very much inspired by uh, Jacques and some others. But uh, at some point, Jacques stopped writing and he stopped producing his podcast. And when that happened, I felt like somebody needed to kind of step in and fill that role. I don't know why I decided to do it, but I, I did. And I don't know if I'm doing it justice. I think that you guys like listening to this podcast. I hope that you do. But Jacques was the original person that was kind of doing what I do now. Uh, he had guests like Tom Beyer, like Kevin Fuller, and a couple other guys on his show well before I even knew who those guys were. That's actually how I came to find uh, a lot of the people that I interact with now. And you're going to hear all this again when the episode starts because I had never told Jacques this stuff. And I felt like it was important for me to get that kind of out in, out in the open. Um, if you have followed 343 for a while, you actually might remember Jacques being a, uh, a guest writer for the blog. He actually had written a couple pieces for Gary um, many, many years ago now. Um, but that's kind of the, uh, the relationship that we had or that three four three had with uh, with Jacques from the early the early beginnings. Now Jacques is part of San Francisco City FC, and he and I get into kind of the thick of things when we're talking about promotion and relegation, what it was like starting a lower division team here in California, um, and some of the battles that they had to go through in order to get things kind of off the ground. And Jacques and I just had a great, about an hour-long conversation. I hope that you guys enjoy this episode of the 343 Podcast. I hope that you guys enjoy hearing from uh, the guy that inspired the 343 Podcast. I, I, I can't stress that enough, and I can't um, express uh, enough how thankful I am to kind of have Jacques' work in front of me and kind of be like the path or, or a little bit of a, of a guiding, I guess, outline. Um, but anyways, we'll just get straight into the episode today. Um, before actually we do that, just a reminder, if you're interested in hearing more episodes of the 343 podcast, if you're new to this, if you're new to 343, you can find all of our work at 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three, coaching.com. And on there, you can find podcast articles, you can find Jock's old articles, um, and a lot, lot more. Okay, with that, we'll get into today's episode. Enjoy, and thank you for listening. All right, so we have a new guest to the show, somebody uh, that some of you guys might be familiar with. Uh, I got to know him through his podcast actually so he oh well, i guess it's i should say who you are huh uh 
and I don't, I, I, you're gonna have to tell me how to pronounce your name correctly because I was talking with Gary about you the other day, and he's like, dude, you know it's not Jacques, right? It's Jacques. I was like, fuck, dude, I already got it wrong. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, Jacques Pelham, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Jacques Pelham, uh, so founder of the Football Garden, and also founder, I believe, or creator of uh, San Francisco City FC. Uh, I'm sure you and some other guys are, are part of that, and we'll, we'll get to talking about that as well. But um, I got to know Jacques through his Jacques. I said it again. Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, through his podcast called the Football Garden. Um, back in the day, he was having guests like Tom Beyer, Hugo Perez, Kefren Fuller. Those are all guys that I've had on my show. Um, and I just remember when I first first started listening to to the Football Garden, it's like you had this like cool little guitar intro, and there was like a, a coffee sponsor, and I was just like, man, this guy's he, he's he's got it dialed in. But then all of a sudden, it, it stopped, and no one really knew why. Like there, it was just kind of like radio silence. Um, and after a while, I was like, "Man, somebody, somebody needs to pick up where where Jacques left off," and and that was kind of the inspiration for for me starting this show. And, and I don't know if I've ever like publicly said it on, on on my show or anywhere else, but like you were the reason that I started this show. And 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 I I don't know if I've ever said thank you. I don't know if there's anything to really thank. I, <laughs> but um, but I guess. Welcome to the show, number one. And then uh, I want to I want to backtrack immediately and, and and go back to why why you started Football Garden and and uh, if you're if you're comfortable talking about it, then why things kind of came to uh, came to a halt as well. And then we'll we'll dive into the to the rest of the story from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, thank you for having me first of all. And and I'm glad whatever little role I can play. In uh, in in helping you get started, but I think it's awesome that you know what, what you've built and, and got going with with, with your podcast and, uh, and everything that you've done. Um, so I mean, the, the football garden story it actually started more with the with the blog, um, which uh, and, and actually that traces back to to three four three, where I I had been a long lifelong soccer player, soccer fan. And was interested in, in, I don't know, doing some writing or getting involved in, in other ways in soccer. And I've been following Gary's 343 um, blog for, for a while and was just found it really interesting. And it was at a time for me when I was just like learning a lot more about soccer, even though I'd played my whole life. There was just more information on the internet. And it seems like there were more books and things like that out there. And I was also kind of like along the same time when. Barcelona was just becoming this, you know, this amazing story of, of how successful they were. And so I reached out to Gary initially about writing some posts for 343, which, which we did. And then eventually I, I just kind of had a different idea of, of, of what I wanted to, to write and then eventually do the podcast. And, uh, and so I started up the football garden blog and it, I mean, it was kind of, I guess, I don't know, esoteric, but it was, the idea in mind was was covering more soccer philosophy, tactics, things like that. Um, somewhat inspired by uh, the like blogs and websites like Zonal Marking, um, a couple books like the book Inverting the Pyramid by Jonathan Wilson, and then um, uh, this book called Brilliant Orange, um, which I read and I thought were just super cool and, and just really thinking about soccer in ways that that I hadn't up until that point, and I was already in my late twenties. So it was just, it was just interesting. And so the podcast idea after I'd been writing for a while, 
the, the podcast idea really, I was kind of trying to, to kind of rip off. I don't know if you're familiar with, with Mark Marin's WTF podcast, but I was, and I'm still a huge fan of that podcast and, and found that really inspiring. And was like, huh, well maybe, maybe you could kind of do something like that for soccer. And, um, and that's kind of how it got started. And I, you know, knew guys like Gary, I really didn't know that many people, but I, I knew Gary, I knew a couple other people and just reach out to some people cold and, uh, just kind of got it going. And yeah. And so that's, that's how it got started. Um, and, and kind of going back to the Mark Marin thing, just the idea of doing like long form interviews with people to talk about their background, their their philosophy, their, their experiences with, with soccer seemed like kind of a cool thing that wasn't really out there and just a way to, 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 to talk about soccer and, and people involved in soccer and, and, you know, the way that the game was evolving, um, in sort of a unique way. So that, that's kind of how it got going. And, um, yeah. yeah. Before, before we get to like the, the kind of the, I guess the pause, the indefinite pause yeah, that the, sure. <laughs> the football garden's been on. Um, I, I, I want to kind of just dissect your uh, your process for the the podcast. Um, I guess number one is it, how are you finding these guests back then? Because this is kind of like uh, not like at the beginning of the Twitter boom or whatever, but but kind of like in the I guess in the middle, like podcasts weren't like a huge deal, you know four five, six years ago. And a lot of these guys that you're bringing on really weren't mainstream guys, like guys like Tom Byer. Now I, I would call them like a, like he, he's like a household name in, in the little soccer sphere that we, we kind of operate in on Twitter. Um, but how are you tracking these guys down and, and, and what was that process like of getting them to come on your show? Yeah, it, it was a couple of different things. I mean, one, um, uh, like it would be referrals, like going through guys like, um, like Gary and Brian or Kepburn and, and seeing if there were other people that they thought would be interesting and, and interested in, in, in doing, uh, an interview. I honestly don't remember, um, how, how I heard about Tom. I think I had known about Tom Byer for a little while and, and he just has such a, an interesting and, and unique story, but really, I think I just, reached out via Twitter or something to him and, uh, and, and asked if he wanted to do it. Same with like Peter will. Um, and everyone was like really responsive, most people. And there were some times when it was tough just cause like nobody knew who I was. Um, and that kind of where, where it was, if, whether it was Gary or somebody like getting a warm intro to somebody kind of helped. But, um, I was really actually, surprised and inspired by how open people were to it and just reaching out via Twitter, Facebook. Um, and, and most of the times somebody would respond, even if they didn't want to do it and, and, uh, and be pretty responsive. So I, I thought that was really cool. Um, and really, I mean, I think just directionally for, for what I was hoping to do is just people that had interesting backgrounds and stories and that were, I mean, just sort of, almost by nature of who being so like no name, I wasn't going to get big, like big names, you know, people that are hard to access. So it was finding people that were a little bit outside the mainstream, but, but I found that, that, that they had really interesting and unique stories and perspectives on, 
on you know the American soccer and kind of like how it was all evolving and developing. So, at at what point did you realize you were onto something? Like, was there a specific guest or a specific blog post or something that kind of sparked a lot of reaction from from the listeners or followers that you had, where you're like, oh shoot, like I, uh, th- this is good. <laughs> well, I mean. I- I don't know if it was ever like really something. It was a small audience throughout the whole process, I think, for sure. Um, but I, I mean, I, there were definitely little spikes. I think the the Hugo Perez um, one, I think, got a lot of um, a lot of attention, and probably I think was probably one of the, the most listened to um, uh, interviews. And and that was great. I mean, you know, a former national team player, and, and he was at the time. Um, with the with the the U.S. youth national team program, so you know I think that that was great, and he was really open, and I think you've spoken with him too, and, and that was a that was a real gift and, and and really generous from from him and from Peter and some of the other guys that were a little bit more higher profile that they were just pretty open and willing to speak pretty honestly about about stuff and, and Hugo in particular, so that was great, and, and I think that was what I was hoping for. Um, again, kind of going back to like the, the Mark Marin model where people just talking openly and, 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 you know, I think in soccer, a lot of times, uh, there's a pressure and, and, and to, to put on a very like kind of stirred or strong, like public persona, but, you know, just soccer people just like anyone are humans and, and have all sorts of issues and insecurities and, and, different ideas on things. And, and that's, that's what I was hoping to get out. So to, to have that happen and have people like Hugo and, and some of the others come on and just really talk openly, I think was, I bet I was, I think, you know, it never really gained some huge audience, but that's, that's what I was hoping to sort of, um, get out of, of the interviews was, was having that type of conversation. And those are extremely, extremely hard to find. And, and there's been, there's been podcasts I've, I've actually recorded and not released because it's just, I don't feel like people were genuine. Number one, um, they maybe came on with like uh, ulterior motives, like maybe to like sell a product or push their own little narrative or something like that, which is fine. I, under, I understand that, but it, it's hard to get people to kind of really open up and and just be honest and and genuine. And what I've noticed in, over the last like probably six months to a year is that. There's so many people with the same like voice and like tone when it comes to talking about soccer, and it's like freaking boring, man. It's like Jesus, falling asleep listening to these guys answer questions. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, I, you know, I, I kind of take a look at it, and you know, for for me at the time, like, and I'm still relatively inexperienced compared to to you know people that have been in the soccer industry. Um, and working in soccer for years and, and, you know, so it's not like I speak or come at it from a real point of, of knowledge or expertise for the most part, um, even today. But I, I do look at it like you, you compare soccer to other forms of entertainment, um, you know, art, music, comedy, things like that. It's like, I think it, there's a lot of similarities there. And, and I, I just kind of wish that American soccer was, a, took itself a little bit less seriously um, sometimes and, and a little bit more human. And, and it speaks to kind of what you were talking about just now where it's like, um, yeah, it can feel very, very kind of uniform and, 
and just a little boring at times. And, and you know that there's people out there that have had these amazing stories and have interesting points of view. But, but I think, you know, to a certain extent, people are a little bit scared um, of, of being a little different or speaking out in a different way just because it, it can be, I think it's fairly political and, and there aren't really, you know, if, if, if your aim is to, to, you know, be a professional and get paid there to, to work in soccer, there, there aren't that many gigs out there. So you have to be pretty careful about what I think what you do and, and don't say, but that said, I mean, you know, I think you, you've probably experienced and I definitely did where you can be, you can open up, you can speak, you know, pretty, pretty honestly and, and pretty earnestly about, you know, the way that you think about things and, and experience stuff as, as a human being almost more than anything. And it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, piss anyone off or isn't political or anything like that. So I, I hope we're, we keep moving in that direction where people are a little less kind of, I don't know, where it just comes out a little bit more, uh, a little more openly the way that, that things work in soccer. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool too, because I feel like I'm I'm very much following in your footsteps when you talk about like your inspirations, Mark Marin, and, and and I have guys like Tim Ferriss and, and and now like Joe Rogan and and people like that that are kind of you know directing my vision for for my show, but, but I'm not coming at it from like a like a soccer standpoint really, and, and so the guys that are coming on here they're not it's not like your traditional soccer style interview, and and so when I interviewed Bob Bradley. Um, I feel like I went at it from just like a, a, a different angle than most people had gone at him before. And he opened the floodgates for some reason and just, and, and went all in and it was, it was pretty fun. And, and to get guys that are seasoned professionals when it comes to like journalism and, and media, like Grant Wall, for instance, he, he messaged me and said, I've never, I've never heard Bob open up like that in an interview. And it's like, this is a guy that's talked to Bob. I don't know how many times. And, that that to me was was pretty was pretty special. That's yeah. I mean, man, like congratulations to you because that like that's you know that's awesome that you were you were able to speak with them and that I mean I think it's a testament to your <laughs> your skill and kind of you know the, the 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 platform that you built to 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 bring that out of someone like Bob Bradley. You know, like he's a perfect example of a guy that's you know, reach the, the, he's at the very top obviously, and has potentially a lot to lose by, by saying things that maybe people don't agree with or don't understand. And, and, but at the same time, it's, it's so valuable to have those types of, you know, unfiltered conversations and, and just to act as a, you know, a role model for, to, you know, being, being that open and honest about stuff. So I, you know, I think it's, it's great. And I like, it's so cool that you're, you're keeping it going in terms of just trying to force and push that, that type of conversation um, or that, that medium of, of discussion, keeping that out there. Cause it's, it's really valuable. So let's, uh, let's, let's backtrack again and, and talk about why football garden came to a stop. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, for me, like I started doing the blog, um, with, I, I still had a day job at that point, um, and it, it, it was it was sort of maybe taking up a little too much of my time just doing the, the the blog writing and stuff. And then at some point I got laid off, which was a big bummer, um, and that that kind of 
opened up some time. And so in part, the blog was like just trying to have something to focus on creatively and in the podcast and, and just stay busy. Um, and then my wife got pregnant and we had been trying to, uh, trying to get pregnant for a while, but, um, you know, that was, that was great. We were super excited and I was still doing the podcast, but looking for other lawyer business jobs, um, as well. Cause I mean, despite the, 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 you know, how it may have looked that the podcast is not making any money or anything like that, which is, you know, I think that's kind of how it goes. But, um, yeah, so I was trying to keep it going, but you know, it was, it was hard too. like, even though it was cool to get some, some really awesome guests, like, you know, there, there weren't really, um, there's probably always going to be a ceiling to the, the number of types of guests, um, that, that I could get on. I started to feel like a little bit of, um, some, some headwinds there in terms of getting more people on and different types of people. Just I think people didn't know who I was and, and maybe were a little bit concerned about, you know, doing that type of interview. And I try to be pretty upfront with, with folks when, when I contact them. And, um, and then my wife and I had, had a, um, a pretty serious situation where my daughter was born at, um, 24 weeks. So about four months premature, and I was already kind of like, I was struggling to, to, to find, you know, a good guest for the show. And then I also feel like I needed to get a, get a real job pretty soon. And then all of a sudden my daughter was born and, and that just kind of like, you know, turned, turned our whole world upside down. And, and we spent about, uh, 90 days, uh, with her in the, the NICU, um, the, the intensive care nursery and, I mean, for that, you know, from that point on for the next four months, it was just, that's, that's all we could really think about. And so I think at that, like after that, I mean, I, I don't think I did any more podcasts after that. I did do a couple more articles on the blog before I really stopped posting as well. But you know, what, just having a kid is, is a pretty, <laughs> you know, totally rocks your world and shifts your perceptions on things. But, um, but having our, our daughter born prematurely and, and going through all that, um, really was, you know, there just wasn't time to, to focus, um, on something like that. Cause I mean, as, as I'm sure, you know, you can attest to John, it takes a lot of time <laughs> to do a podcast and to do it right. And to make it sound fairly professional. And, and, you know, if you've got, you've got a, a wife and then a kid and, you know, student loans and you need a job and all that. It's like, you, you can only dedicate so much time to it. So, um, so I, I think I did a couple more posts on the blog, um, you know, after, after my daughter was born, but then things shifted really significantly once I did have some more time to, to SF city. So, um, that's, that's, that's kind of the story. Can, can we kind of put a timeline on, on all this? So football garden started when, and then your daughter was born when, and then SF, uh, city started when, Oh man. Uh, let's see. So, um, so I, I want to say the, the blog started early 2012, probably. Um, and then started doing the podcasts maybe six months later. 
Um, so just started doing blog posts and then probably doing the vod- podcast in October or so of 2012. And I mean, really, it was a sh- relatively short amount of time. It was probably maybe six to eight months that doing the podcast act like consistently. And then uh, my daughter was born in March of 2013. And so that kind of led us into um, the real beginnings of SF city were like right at the end of 2013, early 2014. So I think maybe did a couple posts on the, on the blog, like, in late 2013, early 2014, but, and then, but really we were, it was, it all kind of shifted to SF city, like early, early 2014. Yeah. And I, and I know at at one point you did, you did come back and do like an additional post, um, on three, four, three, and I'll, I'll try to link to all of your three, four, three articles. There's like two or three, right? Yeah, at least. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Um, which is it's kind of interesting to to read those if you were to go back and 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 just read everything that that is on three four three article wise you would realize that what you wrote really stands out as a different writing style than than Gary's writing style um, and you you can tell that you're a, a very and, and Gary is too I'm not trying to direct that like that but um, you're you're an educated guy. Um, what, what's your, what's your background there? Uh, well, I, I, I went to law school basically. I mean, that's kind of like, so I, I have a, <laughs> I have a JD. I'm not a, I'm not a practicing attorney at this point. Um, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, I, I've got a graduate degree, but not that that really means all that much. Um, but I guess from a, from a writing and, and, um, uh, I guess, I don't know, critical thinking perspective have some formal training there. But I mean, again, it's not, not, uh, it doesn't mean a whole lot in the big scheme of things, but, um, it, yeah, so. it, it, it does though. If, if somebody is going to read that and be like, okay, who's Joe Schmo writing this article about, you know, promotion relegation and, and blah, 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 blah. I think you wrote like about the, at the time there was like a, a new CBA for MLS players. Is that right? Is that what you wrote about? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I, can't, I don't really remember, but yeah, <laughs> it sounds right. <laughs> but just knowing that, that you do have some type of like formal education in, in that field, in that realm, it, it brings just some credibility to it, which is, which is important to, to note, I think. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny, right? Cause you look back at that stuff. I, I, some of it makes me cringe a little bit, especially like having of course, been I understand through, that 100%. <laughs> having been through like now being, uh, I guess, a little bit more on the inside um, via SF City. Um, but it's one of those things too, right? Where it's like it's it's easy, it's relatively easy to like sit sit on the sidelines, which you know that was really where where I was and sort of still am to an extent. And, and like kind of write these seemingly educated things about whatever it is like, you know, promotional legation or, or, you know, like the collective bargaining for MLS or whatever it is. And, and, you know, try to have somewhat educated opinions and, and write in a way that's, that's sort of entertaining. I mean, that's, that's a pretty tough geometry to nail, I think, um, cause it can be pretty dense and it's not something that's like, 
most people I think that watch soccer really care that much, but I think it does reflect in, and it's continued in a way that I think it's, it's sort of proliferated with different blogs and different points of view out there. Um, just understanding more of what kind of makes up the, like the American soccer economy, I guess, for lack of a better term and how, how it all is kind of been built and shaped together. Um, Cause you know, I think that's where I was coming from where I had played and, and, and was really interested, you know, as a player and then a fan, but also then I started to think about it professionally or just thinking about it more as like the business side of things and just wanted to sort of explore that and also try to, to add something to the conversation. So like I said, I mean, it's like, you know, the, the phrase, like, I know enough to be dangerous is, I think that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty, uh, apt for, for looking back at those type, those posts. Cause it's like, uh, I mean, it may be right, but it's, there's a lot more than, than meets the eye, I think with a lot of that stuff. So one of the questions I usually like to ask, uh, coaches when they come on the show is like, think back to when you were a brand new coach and, and, and now think where you're at now, like what's one thing you would never, you would never do again, knowing what you know now. But if you apply that to like what, what you've done where you've kind of, you went from ground zero of, uh, I guess, yeah, like you said, sitting on the sideline and now you've built, uh, San Francisco city FC. So knowing what you know now, what would you have, uh, done or said or changed or, or, or something back then? Um, or, what, or what's something that you've learned that like you just, you, you were completely oblivious to back then? Well, it's, uh, I, I mean, I think, I guess the first question, right. is like, what, when back then, when, cause I, I think for me and for 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 the, the the crew that's been working on SF City and there is I think sort of a linear progression from like the blogging and everything to to getting into SF City, but I think a lot of it is like I, I've, I'm kind of willing to just like leave with my chin on stuff sometimes and just go into situations really not you know not knowing a whole lot and, and just sort of trust that, that I and the people that I'm working with will be able to kind of learn really fast to make something, make something worthwhile (laughs) happen. And that's, I mean, I guess that, you know, that that's kind of what it is for the, for the blog and the podcast as well, or it was back then. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think maybe it goes to, uh, just this maybe like youth and, and experience and feeling like you don't have to like come into any given situation with like a really formed opinion or, or feel like, you know, like you've got this hot take on everything, which I think maybe I was a little bit guilty of starting off or just feeling like you have to have this really like kind of laser sharp idea about what's wrong with soccer or what, what needs to change or whatever. And and I think for me getting into it, you just recognize that it's like, it's a really complicated and complex situation. And there's really, really good people in, in, in all different 
aspects of American soccer and everybody's really trying to do the right thing. And it's just a really big complex situation that, that everyone's involved in. So I guess that's probably part of it. I mean, I think you just get more and more into it and see like, you know, there's, there's a lot happening and there's a lot going on and it's, it's tough to manage, um, sort of behind the scenes of American soccer and, and, uh, really everyone's just trying to like do, do a good job and kind of take care of themselves along the way. So it probably just, yeah, like that, that kind of somewhat youthful naivete feeling like you have to have like a, a viewpoint and, and, you know, some way of approaching things. And in a way I think you do to like stick out as like a blogger or writer podcast or whatever, but I think as you get more into the business side of things, it's you, you come to realize it's a lot more, I don't know, just complex and nuanced. Definitely. Um, let's get let's give San Francisco City FC a, a, a proper introduction. So maybe <laughs> maybe talk about that, and then uh, and then maybe we can dive into to some of the other behind the scenes stuff you've learned uh, along the way with building that. So yeah, yeah. T- talk about talk about the team. So, I mean, timeline wise, right, like we talked about sort of doing the blogging and the podcasting and then uh, and then taking a break there when my daughter was born. And then uh, around 2014, well, going back. So SF City has been around for for quite a while since the early 2000s. It was founded by a guy named Jonathan Wright um, as a local San Francisco men's team. And I started playing in 2011 in the, in the the league that the team plays in is uh, the SFSFL, which is like it's like the longest standing sort of semi-pro amateur league in the in the in the country. I think it I think it predates FIFA actually um, for for being organized. And so that the team has this history, and I and I started playing uh, on the team as a player back in 2011. And you know it's it's local men's league soccer, so it's it's relatively disorganized and and uh and just kind of more for fun and recreation but the, the local san francisco league that we played play in and can, the team continues to play in <coughs> had some some super high level players and, and really high level competition and, and teams like el ferolito and, and the olympic club that have actually won the u.s open cup and and been really successful so you know, that was really fun to be a part of the team and, and you know, trying to, to make the, the, the team, that, that level of the team, is, as good as we could. But then I think, you know, I, I was always interested in, in, in doing other stuff in soccer. Um, and that's sort of, I think, where, you know, where the, the blog and the podcast was coming from. And I, I had seen, you know, clubs like Detroit City and Chattanooga, um, you know, a couple others across the country that had started off at, at the MPSL level. <clears throat> so the national amateur level and just been really successful and, and really, um, you know, generated a fan base and, and had all this relevance and, and support in the communities. And, and it was just awesome to see. And so for me, I was looking for something to do kind of as a project and, and was really interested just creatively and like, wow, what would it take to like start a soccer team like those guys, like the Detroit's and Chattanooga's did. And, and San Francisco really didn't have a team at that point. I mean, there, there was the earthquakes, but the, there was a really 
strong um, group of folks in the city that that wanted a team for San Francisco and and, and um, you know felt like that that was a real possibility. So sort of late 2013, early 2014, um, myself and, and really you know started working with a whole group of people to uh, to, to try to build a team for San Francisco. Um, but also we wanted to do it in a really sort of unique and, and, and we felt kind of important way of incorporating um, a membership and supporter ownership component into things and then just seeing where it went from there. And so, I mean, it, it got off to a really rocky start, actually, and that and that was um, we tried to get in the MPSL and, and they basically rejected us because there was another MPSL team in San Francisco at the time. Um, and so that really the whole 2014 was just spent like kind of fighting with MPSL to try to get in the league and, and, and it didn't happen. And so we, we kind of learned that that was the case in late 2014 or 2015. And, um, and then we, we sort of made a move to play in this other league called uh, the NorCal Premier League, which was an extension of the, the NorCal U.S. Club Soccer Youth Leagues but had teams scattered throughout Northern California and some, some actually really good teams um, that we played against. But we did that for 2015, and then we qualified for the Open Cup as well. And, um, and that allowed us to, to sort of build up the, the, the fan base and the momentum by playing games in the NorCal League and also playing um, both our, our first Open Cup game and then a couple of Cup qualifiers in the fall that, were you know were kind of got people's attention and were able to get some folks out to the matches and, and build on that, and so through that process um, we got connected with some some folks, um, sort of from the local uh, technology industry, some people that had that had been pretty successful that were interested in soccer um, and and were interested in basically investing in the club. To, to try to build the club up to the highest level at some point and, and really treat it as a, as a, as a startup opportunity. And, um, so through, you know, through that we were able to, we raised some money and were able to, to put together a plan to, to look at moving to, to the PDL. And, you know, we, we had actually, you know, we'd obviously worked, tried to work with PSL we had reached out to NASL at one point and, and spoken with them, but uh, we ended up kind of landing on PDL as, as the next best step um, and, and made that move in basically early 2016. So we did that last year. Uh, so now we're coming our second season in PDL, but then also we're, we're actively sort of working and planning to make a potential move to USL um, in the next couple of years. And that's, that's going pretty well. So that's, that's sort of a maybe long winded explanation <laughs> of the whole SF city story. But, um, but that's, that's kind of the high level of how it's all gone to this point. I, I'm, I'm glad you, you kind of mentioned the initial struggle with NPSL and, and, um, there being another team in your mm-hmm. market. And so I was wondering if you can describe like, that the actual fight with NPSL, like what, what was it exactly about? Well, the NPSL and it's, it's like this with PDL too. Um, and, and I think pretty much every 
every league probably above you know your local youth uh, or local like adult um, kind of Sunday league generally has um, market exclusivity for the teams when they they sign up and you know it's it's something like a 30 mile radius or whatever and um, and and you know you can see the reasons for doing that and 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 you know I, I kind of you go back and forth on it because if you're coming in you're putting in time effort money and it's it's a it's a risky proposition to say the least to come in and try to try to build something and and you, you put a lot of time and, and resources and 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 uh, an effort into something without really knowing how the market's going to respond. And the idea with the market exclusivity is to, to sort of protect you from somebody else and coming in and, and hurting those efforts. And I get that. Um, but we, you know, we had seen other markets in MPSL bring in multiple teams into large metropolitan areas. And so that was our, that was our argument um, that, you know, why, why we wanted to come in. We thought it could produce a rivalry situation <clears throat> with the team that was, that was here. And, you know, I, I, we, again, it's like, we, we talked with folks at MPSL, we, we reached out to the folks that were, um, that were already in San Francisco along with the other teams in the league and, and tried to be as kind of open and accessible upfront, um, as possible. And then there was a couple things that happened with some, some personnel changes in MPSL too, which I think made it, made things just get a little bit out of whack, um, and, and, but ultimately they kind of said, you know, no, you can't come to the league. And it was at that point we were like, we already had people sign up as members. We had people that were really, really interested and excited about the, the potential and possibility of the club. And so it's like, well, what do we do? Like we, we kind of, we have these people that we owe a duty to, um, who have signed up as, as members of the club on this promise of we're going to be playing high level soccer you know, in the, in the next year or the next six months. And, um, and so, you know, we, we pursued, we continued to pursue with the league and, and, and actually ended up filing a grievance with us soccer, which, um, you know, was an interesting process, but ultimately, uh, you know, it just, it just was obvious that, that it wasn't going to work with the PSL and, um, and, and, you know, we've since reached out to, to folks within that league and, and, and I think are, you know, or it's the, the lines of communication are open there. Um, because ultimately it's like the guys that are, that are out in, in the field kind of like doing the work at, at this level with teams, the different teams, the different ownership groups, like everyone's just trying to make it work, um, and, 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 and do the best they can. So, you know, we, we've definitely reconnected with, with folks at the MPSL level and, and, and have a good relationship there. Um, but it, you know, it was tough and, and, it's one of those things, right? I think I was talking about earlier where it's, it's one thing to look at things from the outside. Once you get into it, you see like how, how hard doing something like this is like trying to build up a protein from the amateur level and be successful and not just lose a ton of money. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you, you want what's good for, you know, American soccer in general, which more teams, more opportunities for competition. It's it just, you know, as, as a general policy that, that, that still things. And I still believe that that's, that's, you know, the, the best way of moving forward. And so, 
we were just we were trying to sort of do what, what we thought was best for the club and, and just kind of keep moving forward. And uh, and it was tough, but ultimately it worked out. You know, it ended up working out for us in the long run. And and now we're sort of on the other end of it. We've got a team coming in in San Francisco that's an NASL team, and we we've got to kind of navigate how that's going to work for us with with the, them coming in. So it's it's pretty interesting. Where do you stand on pro rail today then? Because what you're the way you're talking about it, I, I feel like maybe something has changed in your mind. No, I I think that um, I think that it's it's to everyone's benefit, and and I I say that um, I think financially, I think just as a general policy from from U.S. soccer, and and ultimately at, at the team level. That it, it's to everybody's benefit to have an open competitive system with promotion relegation, um, you know, somehow available in American soccer. Um, you know, I, I think the real question is like talking with guys like Dennis or, or Ted or whoever. It's like, well, how do you do that? And that's where it gets tough because it's like it's you 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 get into it and you see how things are set up right now and it's it's a real challenge but it's i don't think it's insurmountable and i think that it's i i would hope and it would support you know any efforts from u.s soccer to to move things along um and so i think from from my perspective it's it's it, there's definitely um full support of, of trying to move towards that um you know an open competition model of promotional relegation but i think where I've gotten more, I think, educated and informed is just it, it, understanding the challenges that will be involved in that. And even if you have soccer were to come in and just like, you know, drop it down on high from on high, it, it, it could be counterproductive and that it, it just like kind of, you know, not working with the current stakeholders or whoever. And, and we don't want that either. So I think that's, that's more my, my, um, stance these days. It's just, we, we can get there, but it's, it's going to be tough, but I do think that it, it ultimately will benefit everybody. And I think that, you know, overall, um, it could be very financially rewarding for, for everybody in terms of increasing the amount of, you know, attention and, and uh, economic activity that, that could, um, you know, come, come to the, to the pro and amateur teams from having, more teams, more, more competition and, and uh, everything that comes along with it. And you, you mentioned, uh, talking with guys like Dennis Crowley and, and, and he kind of had the, and I think still has a spotlight on him right now after, yeah. um, he kind of took the fourth division by storm in a way, <laughs> um, just in a, in a different way. I think he, mm-hmm. he, he already had, um, kind of like a big voice, in yeah. a way from, from the tech startup world and, and with Foursquare and, and whatnot. Um, but he seemed, when I talked to him, and, and he, he seemed to be like super genuine. And, and I think off the air, him and I talked about that he'd either, I think, met up with you and, and your crew in San Francisco or had spoken with you guys over the phone or something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, um, is there like a sense of, of like the lower division teams kind of like working together? So like when you guys talk, are you guys like, figuring out ways to help each other or what, what's the, what's the conversation like between you guys? 
Yeah, that, absolutely. And that's been a really cool thing, I think, um, you know, getting getting into to SF City and moving kind of moving up the ranks is <coughs> the the community of, of people um, that are at that level, I think, is really, um, really supportive and, and really genuine and wanting to help people out. So, you know, like I reached out to Sean Mann at Detroit and um the nashville fc crew and chris jones over there and you know several other people when we were in the sort of formative stages of of sf city and those guys were just they're all willing to just to talk and and share what went right what went wrong and mistakes that they made and and what they felt you know really contributed to their success And, and that was that was really neat and it's something you know, for us to, to, you know, for the success that we've had and in the, in the way that we've tried to go about things, like I, I really like to, to pass that on to, to, you know, people that are looking to, to start up and, and get going, um, you know, right, right now. So it was cool. I think with, with Dennis and with, with stockade that, yeah, because he, he had a pretty, um, big megaphone and, and, you know, it's just like you said, a, a pretty, I think, genuine and, and, um, and good guy that going using that platform to, to sort of, um, you know, formalize a lot of that stuff that we had just been sharing on phone calls or emails or whatever with different guys across the league, um, by, by writing more about it and putting it on, you know, blogging about it. Um, same with like, uh, Dan, I think it's Hodeman, the guy at Minneapolis city, um, you know, who we, I, I talked to him when they were getting started. And so I think it goes back to what I was saying before, like you get into it and you realize how hard it is, um, you know, trying to do things with a volunteer crew of people that <clears throat> really you should have, I don't know, 20 to 30 people on a game day helping you out. You've got three volunteers and just like, how do you kind of, how do you throw that all together and make it work and, and make it so, you know, you're not losing a ton of money every game or every year and, uh, and, 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 and you know, uh, positioning yourself in a way that you can be successful over a five or 10 year span. And, and people are really, I think, open and, and, gen- and generous about sharing, sharing stuff like that. So everyone's just kind of out, whether it's in PSL, PDL, or, you know, one of the other leagues out there just to, to try to, to help, help each other out. Cause I think ultimately people come from a place that it's like, they see the, the positive potential of having more teams in place. And I will say like now both in ASL and, and, and USL guys, like having connected with, with more of those guys and guys like Peter will, um, you know, people at that level are really, really um, willing to share, you know, share what, what they think best practices are. And, and we've, you know, we've met with the folks at Sacramento Republic and they've been really helpful and, and, and generous in, in sharing kind of info and, and different ideas with us. So it's cool to see. I mean, there's, there's definitely a community out there of sort of startup soccer people that, you know, I think you see this in the general kind of tech startup community as well, where it's, people are open, people are willing to just like get on the phone or grab, grab a coffee or whatever. And, uh, you know, regardless of kind of where they fit within the big ecosystem and just, just chat and try to help out. So it's, it's really cool.
John, you there? Yo, sorry. <laughs> my, my mic was on uh, was on mute. <laughs> I was in here talking, asking questions, thinking you were listening like, to me. Did I lose you? <laughs> no, my bad, my bad. <laughs> so let me restart my question, I guess. Um, so you, you kind of talked about like, uh, yeah, like I guess like how how the club is is surviving and like the plan the plan to kind of keep the club going. Um, and, and Dennis had put out that document that kind of details uh, Stockade's finances and, and where they're losing money, where they're making money. And if I remember right, Stockade is, is making like a significant amount in apparel sales. And, and that's a big, big help to them. So I'm curious with San Francisco city FC, how do you guys generate revenue and, and how, how do you guys kind of survive or stay afloat in, yeah. in that division? It's, I mean, it's this. It's a lot of the same stuff. I mean, it's it's attendance, kind of butts and seats, um, sponsorship, and uh, and and merchandise and apparel um, sales. Uh, you know, for 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 this level, you don't have really the opportunity for for like a TV contract or something that's like a you know a big economic driver for for one of the bigger pro leagues. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really about hustling and, and, and getting people to the matches. Cause I think that was a, you know, one of the key insights, um, that we really saw as well with, um, uh, with our matches that, that Dennis shared was, you know, a lot of merchandise sales and matches, people coming out, you know, people like, you know, it's like kind of your, your, your shop window, having a, a merch tent set up at the games and, and, um, you know, you try to get as many people as you can out, but sometimes it's tough. And, you know, like we, we had a situation, I think, I think in Dennis's article, he talked about they had to compete against high school graduation and that just like cut their attendance in half. Well, we had a situation last season where we, we had a Thursday night game and there was a, the I think the Copa America quarterfinal that the U.S. is playing in, plus a Warriors playoff game, and it was just brutal. <laughs> like yeah, you know, like this, uh, you realize like you're competing against you know other events in your in your market, and and for us that that hurt us. And I think the game was actually at Avaya, if I remember correctly. I can't remember the the stadium in San Jose. Um, that the U.S. was playing, so, but we still got a great, you know, we still had a crowd. We it wasn't empty, and our we had our supporters out there, and, and actually a decent little crowd came out for that match. So, I think, you know, you you get wise to the realities of like it's it's an event, you know, it's soccer and it's it's high level soccer, but it, it can you know you can get different stuff that that can really um, you've got to you've got to compete against to, to get people to the matches and to, to really make it work. And that's, that's really what it's all about. I think is making the matches as, as interesting and, and um, fun and, and as good of experience as possible and getting folks there to, to buy, pay, pay, pay an attendance fee and buy merch and, and uh, do all that stuff to make it economically feasible to like keep it going. What's the, ultimate or end goal for San Francisco city FC? Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward and basic. It's, I mean, it's really to get to the, to the top. 
Um, and whether that's via MLS or, you know, a, a, another division one opportunity, whatever that might look like in five, 10 years, um, that's, that's the goal and that's, that's the stated goal and, uh, and that's what we're working towards. So next steps, I mean, you know, really we've spoken about this before it's, it's moving to USL. And so we've, we've been, um, you know, talking with the USL guys for, for a little while about what, what needs to happen to, to make that a reality. And then we're, we're basically trying to execute on our end to, to, um, to make that happen. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the hurdles might be right now? Like what's, what's stopping you guys from, or just obstacles that are in your way at the moment? Um, well, I mean, the, the, I think the, the real, um, the, the secret sauce that, that you see with the real big success stories at the USL, um, it's good, good market, obviously decent, big enough market, I guess. And then, um, a good stadium situation, good ownership, that stuff. And that, that's really what, you know, USL is looking for, um, for, for bringing folks into the league. And so we, you know, those, those two kind of core things, building out our, um, our investor group and, um, and, and figuring out what the best stadium situation would be, um, to make it really successful or the, the two key pieces. And so that's, that's kind of what we just go for step by step, um, to, to, to try to put the, the best, uh, best, um, kind of group and, and application together possible. And, uh, so, you know, as you can imagine in San Francisco, that's, it can be a challenging process, especially on, on the stadium front, um, just figuring out what, what could work and what could be the best, uh, best setup. Um, there are existing stadiums here, but they're not necessarily the best fit we think for pro soccer. So, you know, you look at other options and trying to, to make, build something or make something happen in San Francisco can be a little bit tricky, but we think we're off to a really good, you know, in a good place with, with that stuff and then just kind of keep working on it. I don't know what you're talking about, man. There's so much real estate available in San Francisco and it's so cheap. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're and I don't want to like, the thing is with, with being here, right? Like there's, there's obviously um, a lot of people that have been very successful but more so too, there's, there's a culture of, I think, um, having really ambitious projects in mind and, and doing what it takes to, to make those become a reality. Um, and, and, you know, you see that all the time, right. With, with different startup and technology investments. Um, like, you know, I think one of, one of the SF cities investors has, is, is a, an investor in a, another startup that's like moon travel, like literally moon travel. <laughs> like you talk about like taking a moonshot or whatever. It's like, well, that's, that's actually what it is. And so the idea of like building up a pro soccer team from literally the bottom of the pyramid to the very top, maybe doesn't seem that crazy. So, um, and you see it, like you see it too with stadium building and, and real estate where like, man, the warriors, like, you know, they're moving into the city and, and they got their situation set up really fast with their new, their new stadium site. And they really just, you know, made, made the push and got it done. So that was pretty, pretty inspiring. I, w I want to go back to, uh, 
a couple things real quick and, and then we can kind of like speed up towards and, or speed up and kind of wrap up, I guess. Um, but regarding the market exclusivity, um, I, I've talked with Gary about this before and I, I think he's, he's given me an answer, but I just can't remember off the top of my head. Um, when you're talking about like trying to come into a league like NPSL and somebody is it Sam is it like the Seals that were there before? Who was the other team in San Francisco? Uh, they were called the Stompers. The Stompers, okay. Yeah. So there's a, there's a team that already exists in NPSL and, and that they kind of have that 30 mile radius ex- exclusivity on the market. Now is that only within NPSL or is that like a USS or USSF directive? Well. I, I yeah I can't speak to what the MPSL situation is right now, um, but at the time when we were looking at it, it you know it was it was a exclusivity within MPSL. Um, so like, so and, like and, a, a USL team could have started, a PDL team could have started, an MLS yeah. team could have come in and started. So th- there's no really protection from US soccer per se. You yeah, that's right. From your league, that's okay. right. That's right. And and I mean you've seen that right where. We went to PDL um, rather than MPSL, and then NASL put a team in um, as well. And so, yeah, it's it's specifically within the leagues um, that 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 works out. When you see something like the newest kind of expansion chatter from MLS, when you see something like uh, Sacramento Republic's situation, where they kind of kind of got shafted. I don't know the, the whole story, but does something like that scare you when, when you're trying to build what you're, what you're doing in San Francisco? Y- yes and no. Um, I, I mean, I guess using the Sacramento situation as an example, and that was, I think a pretty unique and complex situation that um, it looks like they've, they've gotten that all resolved, which is awesome because those the people that we've you know that that were involved with Republic are amazing and what they've built is just absolutely incredible. Um, I think what's the whole kind of market exclusivity and the MLS exclusivity idea. You know, there's definitely value to that, and there's there's value to being just affiliated with MLS. Just like there is, you know, value to, to being affiliated with PDL or USL, um, but at the same time, you know, there's 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 real product and 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 brand affiliation value as well, and and quite frankly, I mean, this is what we this is what we deal with um, with the team that that's in San Francisco from the NASL, the Deltas, and. Um, you know, we, we've, we've met with them and they're, they're good guys and, and, you know, they, they're working hard and, and want to build their club as well. But at the end of the day, we have to make sure that like, okay, this isn't just going to wipe us off the map. And, and it hasn't to this point. And I don't think it will. And I, I know it's not going to, and, and, and we're still on track to, to move up, you know, to, to the professional level ourselves. And so, there's something there where it's like you, you have to appeal to to customers and to people that want to support the club and pre- present something that is is appealing and interesting and that resonates emotionally to people. 
Um, right. And so, I mean, another interesting example is, is, you know, in LA, um, how things have gone from, from what was, you would have predicted have been, you know, or some people would have predicted would have been a slam dunk bringing in the Chivas group. And that didn't go very well. And now it looks like LAFC, you know, sort of in the same market, um, has, has done a really good job. It seems of, of connecting with, sort of a, a, a different type of, of, uh, of demographic or just, you know, having, having really appealing to folks in LA that for whatever reason don't support galaxy or maybe they'll support both. And so <laughs> it's kind of this trick, right? Of like, you, you have to, you still have to get people to care and, and, and have people be interested in it no matter what league you play in. And then there's examples now through every league from, you know, MPSL all the way up to MLS of you can come in, you can have the market exclusivity, you can have whatever. But if, if it's something that just doesn't resonate with people for whatever reason, um, it, it, the exclusivity maybe doesn't matter. So our, our goal and our main focus every day is just to, to make SF city relevant to people and, and make it a part of the community that, that feels legitimate and authentic and, and important in people's lives and, and, um, and, and, you know, something that people really care about. And that's, I think that's really all you can do, um, from, from where we sit at least. Uh, cause yeah, it's possible that an, an MLS team could come to San Francisco or even a, you know, we could, we could miss out on USL and a USL team could come into San Francisco and, and that would significantly affect us. But at the same time, it's like, the, 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 the momentum that we've built and, and, and have, you know, the, the, the response that we've gotten from people tells us that people really care about the club and, uh, and, and that momentum and that passion is, is really important in, in building up a club at any level. And so we, we feel really good about that. What, what's been the most enjoyable part of building San Francisco city FC? Um, cause I know that there's days for sure that you guys are ripping your hair out and yelling at each <laughs> other and, and whatnot. So it's like at, when the dust settles after those, those rough days, like what makes you smile, I guess, about this whole project. You know, I think like you said, in like any startup, it's, it's just this massive roller coaster of peaks and valleys. Um, you know, communications get fucked up. People get mad at each other. Um, people have different ideas about how things should go. And that's, that's really hard. And, and it's, it, it makes it really frustrating and challenging, um, sometimes, but I think the best days are seeing like, and <laughs> sometimes this just seems to like come together. Like if we win a big match or something, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, when it feels like, you know, when it all kind of clicks and, and, we're working together and, um, and, and really doing stuff that is, is, is a fun experience for people. And then also going out and doing stuff that's, that's really, um, uh, meaningful for, for San Francisco and for the community here. Um, I mean, every time we kind of hit a milestone, it's, it's pretty neat to see cause you get to think back and like, wow, this was, literally starting up in, in a living room or, you know, a backyard or whatever. 
and um and and that's that's cool i mean that's that's really cool and um you know seeing seeing it sort of every every time it feels like there's a bit of growth whether it's you know our ticket sales are increasing our <coughs> excuse me um uh, there's you know more people that are interested in playing for the club stuff like that it's it's uh, that's really neat and um and we've got a really great group of people involved um from staff to you know the the, the members board representatives and our, and our investors and, and everyone's paddling in the same direction really hard um to get there and so we just you know we, we've definitely gotten some some pretty big milestones, but also just little victories on the way that are, that are really fun and, 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 uh, exciting to be a part of. Uh, one of the, one of the last things I had written down here is like, do you want to give a shout out to your team, like, or anybody that's on your crew and you kind of just, you, you were talking a little bit about it right now. I'm, I'm curious though, how, how big is your, is your group like ownership uh, or yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, so there it's, it's a, it's a large group, um, kind of all in it, We've got, um, there's, there's four ish people on staff, um, that are, that are kind of the day-to-day operations crew. Um, outside of that, there's a, there's a group of the membership board of directors. Um, and there's, there's actually eight of those folks right now, or maybe it's actually, I think it's going to be nine. Um, and so, those people are elected to serve as representatives of, of the membership. And then, um, one of those folks, um, Jake Steinberg sits on the, uh, the, the, the executive board of the club. Um, and then our, our, we have, we have a group of eight investors as well. And the lead investor is, um, Scott Chisholm, who's the CEO of a company, um, called classy. And he's the other executive um, board member of the club, along with myself. And so, uh, I think you know those. Just I guess take us a while to kind of walk through name by name of everybody, because apart from that, there's just been a ton of people that have um, that have made contributions along the way. I did want to give a shout out actually to somebody that that was extremely important and, and that, that was there from the beginning and who unfortunately had pretty serious injury recently. And that's, um, Casey proud. Um, and, and Casey is, uh, a member, uh, of the, the members board of directors. Um, and, uh, and, and a guy that it's been really active in the San Francisco soccer community, um, for the last 10 years. And, and he just had a pretty severe spinal injury, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So that's, that's been super scary, but you know, I, I think you to talk about sort of victories or things like to see the community that we've been helped, help be a part of. And I think help build a little bit, really respond to him and to his circumstances and, and raise a bunch of money and go visit him and, and just, you know, basically shower him with, with love and support generosity to, um, to help him through this has been, it's been pretty neat to, to see and be a part of. So, um, we, we, you know, we think he's going to be make a full recovery, but, but he's, um, you know, he's a really important guy to, to everything and, and we're all supporting him. And it's amazing when you can use something like, a like your, like your team, for example, as kind of a vehicle to do 
greater good. And I know that those stories are always, those are always amazing stories to be, to be part of. And, and they're extremely helpful in those types of situations. So I hope, uh, I, I hope the, the best for, for Casey and all you guys with that too. Yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. Um, okay. So let, let's, uh, I guess try to wrap this up, but, uh, one thing we haven't talked about is like, when is the season? Where can people watch? Where can people learn more, get a membership, buy a scarf? What, how can people yeah. get more from you guys? The, uh, the season starts, uh, officially in May. Um, we'll, our, our division is all California teams. So we'll be playing some away games down in Southern California. And then all of our home games are up here in San Francisco at Nego Esco stadium on the university of San Francisco campus. <laughs> uh, we'll be playing some preseason matches, um, around San Francisco, uh, before, before that starting in, in, uh, next uh, in March, actually in our first match is a, a preseason versus Sacramento Republic. Um, unfortunately that's close to the, to the, to the public, to fans. So, um, and everything is on our website, sfcityfc.com. So tickets, memberships, uh, merchandise, um, can, you can get off, off the website. And so our schedule's up there and, uh, yeah, we, it's going to be a great year and, and we're looking to, to grow in and, and, um, have a successful season in PDL. It's going to be, it's going to be really competitive this season again. So that's awesome, man. And again, I want to say thank you for, for being my inspiration and kind of the catalyst for this podcast, man, seriously, literally with, without having heard your show, then this, this show wouldn't exist at all. So, well, I thank you, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that, you know, I, I could, help out or, you know, be a small part of that, but, uh, it's, you know, you're doing all the work and, and, and deserve tons, tons of credit for all, all the work that, that you're doing and, and keeping, keeping it going and, and building up uh, your stuff. So congratulations. Cool. Uh, any, any last words for, for the people listening? If there's anybody still listening, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, go, go to sfcityfc.com. That's, that's where it's happening. All right, cool. Well, Jacques, I got it right to end the show. I yep. <laughs> uh, appreciate your time, man. And I think it, it was a long time in the making to, to get you on the show. And I'm, I'm glad we finally did it. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to keep tabs on you in the future and, and maybe even have you back when, uh, when things start going, uh, going really good for SF City FC and you guys are, are still climbing the ladder. So we'll check in with you again in the future, hopefully. Sounds good, man. Thank you very much for having me. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. Thank you to Jack for coming on the show and for being the inspiration for the 343 Podcast. Again, I just want to hammer that home that I couldn't be more thankful for having a guy like him that kind of forged the uh, the path for me to follow. And if you guys would like to find more episodes of this podcast, the 343 podcast, you guys can find all of those at 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three, coaching.com. We are also on iTunes and on Stitcher. If you want to go find us there, you can find us by searching 343FM. And if you would like to leave us a five-star rating, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. And I think that's it for today. We'll end it there.
Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time.